0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: He was often thrown out of class for talking too much. Now he gets paid for it. What a country. Welcome to the Jim day podcast.
0: Hello, hello, hello. How we looking out there in podcast land? Welcome again to the Jim Day podcast. I'm the aforementioned Jim Day and so glad he could join us. And boy, do we have a treat today. Um, I grew up in my wheelhouse. I was a kid when the big red machine was in their heyday and literally maybe the greatest love of my life at the time. I was so diehard into it, and some of my first memories, if you followed my piddly career, you know that some of my first memories in life are Riverfront Stadium and the Big Red Machine, and, you know, it's just been in my blood ever since, and the fact that I'm able to not only be a broadcaster, I'm blessed to do what I do, but to cover the team that I grew up loving, uh, that it's in my blood. It is unreal to me, and there have been several opportunities where I could have moved on and gone on to bigger things, I guess so-called bigger things, at least bigger markets or networks, etc. cetera. Um, I just haven't had any interest. So you're stuck with me here in Red's Country. I'm very sorry for that, um, but you've been stuck with me. But today, to be able to sit across and talk to Joe Morgan, who... To me, I don't know, I think he's the greatest all-around second baseman to ever play the game. Well, there's lots of arguments that can be made, but I'm very, very biased. I think the 75-76 Reds, particularly 76, is perhaps the greatest baseball team to ever play the game. And to be able to sit across from him, if you would have told me as a kid that one day you're going to sit across from Joe Morgan And he's going to feel so comfortable with you that he's going to open up. I always said, you are crazy. What you smoking? Well, that is exactly what's happened. And coming up on this episode, uh, Joe is very candid in this episode. And at one point, gets emotional. And it really hit home. And I got to admit, I had tears in my eyes. This is obviously an audio medium and you can't see. But I'll tell you right now. You'll hear it coming up, but I had tears in my eyes. And the fact that he felt comfortable enough to share something that was so touching to him just means the world to me. And I hope it means the world to Red's country out there because um, this was was a a great conversation. We talk about many things, his teammates, the big red machine, what he's doing nowadays, so much. I mean, I, I could... I could literally do five episodes with him easily because I barely scratched the surface here. But this is the first time that we have the Hall of Famer, Joe Morgan, here on the Jim Day Podcast. Enjoy. Joe Morgan, my absolute pleasure to welcome you to the Jim Day Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure, Jim. Yeah. First of all... You're now – do I call you – there's so many things I could call you. I mean, you know, Hall of Fame player, Reds Hall of Famer, uh, longtime broadcaster, and now car
1: salesman. (laughs) I'd like you to call me the last thing, car salesman, (laughs) because, uh, you know, Joe Morgan Honda here in Cincinnati – well, it's in Monroe – but it's been a great business for me, not just, you know, financially – but I get a chance to meet the fans. Right. I mean, people come by just to say hello. They don't always buy a car. But they come <laughs> by to say hello and talk to me, you know, about the big red machine, about the reds, et cetera. So I get a chance to see them one on one or, you know, see yeah. them a lot. So it's been just great for me and my family.
0: I can't believe it. Like if I
1: if I was younger and I'm like,
0: Oh my God, I can go buy a, a car from <laughs> Joe Morgan and meet Joe Morgan. Are you right. kidding me? I mean, nothing better than that. It's great that you're, you know, hands on when you're in town.
1: Well, if I put my name on something, Jim, I make sure it works. You know, I've owned other businesses. I own the Coors beer distributorship. I own some Wendy's restaurants and I was always there, um, that's my job. You know, if I put my name on it, my family name, then that's important to me. Right. Uh, I never would put my name on something and just walk away and let somebody else run it for me. In fact, that's one of the things that happened when I was uh, ap- applied for the dealership. They thought I was going to be like a lot of other athletes that were just going to put their name on something and think it was going to work. Well, I majored in business in college. I know that's not the way things work. Right. They may get you there in the beginning. You may go to a restaurant because this Joe Morgans, Johnny Benches, or whatever. But if the food is not good or you're not treated fairly, then they're not coming back.
0: Well, that's a that's a great way to look at it, and I uh, hope we sold you a few Hondas right there. Yes, I, I hope that's so. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a little hard for yeah, me I've to get I've been out it. there all day selling <laughs> Hondas, so uh, that's it's, why
1: I was a little late getting here.
0: Just so you know, it's a little... Uh, it might be a little tough for me to call you car salesman on the top. <laughs> you know, we, we got to work our way down to car salesman. How's your health? There were some people great. that were worried about you. I mean, worried, worried, sick about you. Uh, how are you doing nowadays?
1: I'm glad you asked that, Jim. Last night I was on with Tom and he asked that on the air. And I'm glad you asked it because I am great. And there was a time for you to be worried. I'll just leave it at I that. know there was. Uh, yeah. But. In the last year and a half say two years actually uh there's no reason for anybody to worry my health is perfect my knee is still a problem but my health has been perfect you know for the last two plus years actually uh so i'm healthy as i can be Uh, if i if it wasn't for my knee i'd be out running marathons really (laughs) yeah i'm great i'm really health wise i'm great
0: that is terrific because there were a lot of people worried and uh man uh the the lord has blessed Blessed you,
1: my friend. Very much so, so, and I try to tell people I heard their prayers. I really did, you know, from people here in Cincinnati and all over the country. So, um, And make sure I tell people all the time, prayers do help.
0: There's no doubt about that. Uh, The Big Red Machine. Uh,
1: um,
0: People... In the generation now probably don't realize how big you – I mean, obviously you're big here in Cincinnati. But you guys were a national (laughs) team at that point. So I imagine you can't go anywhere without people knowing who Joe Morgan is.
1: They're like, oh, big red machine, man. You're exactly right. And truthfully, when we were in our heyday, we were like a rock band. I mean, we'd go to New York, and there are kids lined up yeah. out in the street waiting to try to see us go into the hotel or try to get autographs. When we went to every city, wasn't just the big cities. Every place, everybody knew who the big red machine was. And look, Jim, they should. You got Johnny Bench, Pete Rose, Tony <laughs> Perez, George Foster. You know, Joe Morgan, Davey Concepcion, Cesar Geronimo, Ken Griffey Sr. I mean, you had—they call them now—call us the Great Eight. Now, you had eight of the best player ever put on a baseball field yeah. at the same time. So uh, people enjoy this. And, and I always try to use something Pete says. I always say we were the best team that's ever played. And I, I don't feel I have to take a, you know, m- walk that back any Pete says if we weren't the best team we were the most entertaining team every day there was something you saw Johnny Bench make great plays behind the plate you mm-hmm. saw him hit home runs you saw Perez driving runs you saw Pete Rose just being Pete Rose and I could steal a base George Foster hit home runs Griffey we could do so many things so every night someone was going to shine and so you saw an exciting player or an exciting team every day
0: Back in the 70s, all the games weren't on TV. Very little games were on TV. Uh, as a kid, as a Reds fan, man, I clung to every article I could get, every magazine picture that I could get. Yeah. And you guys used to have a almost an internal competition of dressing, did you not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some of the pictures I would see of you guys off the field, I'm like, ooh, Joe looking fine right there. And there was like an internal competition, wasn't there?
1: Well, it was. And St- Sparky kind of started that because he Sparky did? Sparky, uh-huh. well, the point was Sparky said, Whenever we traveled as a group, you have a sport coat on, yeah, and a tie. We used to have to wear sport coats, tie. You know, when we check into a hotel, for instance, you know, we get off the plane, go to the hotel, or off the bus, whatever. And he wanted us to look like a, a championship team, so we all just started to doing it. And Pete and I always, I always loved clothes since I was a little kid, you know. Um, and so I even had my own clothing line at one time in in New York, and so I had suits and. Pete would, you know, get suits there. We I mean, we just it was fun. I mean, it was yeah. part of who we were. You know, well, I, would, I couldn't wear jeans. I, I couldn't work today. I really couldn't be part of it. You know, guys, and I'm not saying anything against the Guys wear jeans. It's yeah. more casual world today it is. than it was when we played.
0: Well, I, there's a famous picture of you guys uh, in 1975, the World Series. You guys had mm-hmm. those rainouts, Right. So it was you guys on the concourse, I think, at <laughs> Fenway. And you're all lined up and you're all dressed up. I think Pete even had a
1: bow tie yep. on
0: that day. Yeah. Just, I'm like, wow, man, that's some sharp-looking dudes right there.
1: Oh, no, we had fun doing it. We really did. And I guess we did – look, everything we did, we kind of pushed each other. We wanted to one-up each other. I tell people all the time, every day I took that field, I wanted to prove I was the best player on that field. And guess what? That's very difficult to do when you got Johnny Bench, (laughs) Pete Rose, Tony Perez, all those guys. I wasn't the best player every day, but every day I took the field, that was the way I looked at my performance. I want to be the best player out here today. But I'm sure bench felt the same way, Rose, oh, yeah. I think we all felt the mm-hmm. same way. That's why we pushed each other, and we did push each other. When you guys get back together, and I've been privy mm-hmm. to be at a lot of <laughs> these events, and I'm,
0: it's one of those things where I have to try to separate myself from broadcaster and – Fan. Yeah, I, I mean, um, you know, yeah. you guys were were unbelievable. In fact, sitting here doing this, Joe. I mean, yeah. even though you and I have had several conversations now over the years, I can't even believe you know my name. I mean, oh, it, you gotta be No, I'm serious. Me. No, I'm, I'm yeah, dead no, serious. I'm like, I remember the first time. I listen
1: time, to you every night. Well, on I, your I TV appreciate anyway. that, but
0: I, yeah. I, uh, you know, I I remember the first time you actually said my name. I went and told someone. I'm like, <laughs> Joe Joe Morgan knows my name. Hey, I think I told my one of our brothers. Joe yeah. Morgan actually knows my name now, so it was it was so cool to me. But when you guys get back together, yeah. it's like you guys pick up where you left off. It's like you're in the clubhouse because you guys are ribbing each other like no one's business.
1: And everybody thinks Tony Perez is the nice guy, and he's the worst. I mean he he digs at people all the time more than anyone else. And but it it's kind of like we 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 push each other by doing that. I mean, I locker, Pete and my locker was next to each other. You know, We were next to each other yeah. down toward the club, end of the clubhouse before you go out on the field. Bench and Perez were kinda of in the middle of the clubhouse and we'd be yelling back and forth. We'd be yelling back and forth at each other. Yeah, if you got a hit last night, maybe we wouldn't have lost or something like that. Or one of them would say, Yeah, maybe if sometimes you got a on base, we'd do something. We're always, but it was a it was a gentle criticism, you know, a constructive criticism kind of thing. I'll never forget Lou Fonseca came here. Uh, Just before the Boston World Series, uh, so that would be 75. Just before the World Series. He came here the last month. I don't know why he was here. Lou Fonseca was a great hitter and a great hitting coach over the years. Okay, And he came here because, hell, Ted Kulczewski was our guy. You know what I mean? Ted made it. So all of a sudden – he shows up in the locker room one day, and I don't know what's going on. No one was told anything. So we're all doing our normal thing. So we go out on the field and get ready to play. Once we walk down those stairs, all the joking, everything else would always stop. And Lou Fonseca said to me, Joe, when I walked in that clubhouse, I said, what the heck have I gotten into? I don't want to be here. These guys don't like each other. And he said, <laughs> when you guys walked down that stairs, those stairs and walked out on the field, it was pure business, and I was so happy to be here. He just, I mean, that came from Lou Fonseca, wow. who was a player himself. Yeah. He said, I didn't think you guys liked each other. <laughs> That's funny.
0: You, uh, before we came on here, you were yeah. telling me the story about you looking
1: up at Tony oh, Perez. Yeah. <laughs> Can you well, tell Well, I didn't steal second, I didn't steal third base or home. I stole home once in my career, yeah. but I didn't steal third base much or home, because once I got in the scoring position, bench. Perez Foster those guys would drive me in okay and that was my job I thought to get in the scoring position I'd take a walk steal a base or whatever so we're in Chicago one day Wrigley Field and I don't know what came over me I said I'm gonna steal home so I go and I slide in and I'm laying on the ground, on the plate right and I look up and Tony Perez is looking down at me he says don't you ever do that again he said, if you come and do it again, I'm going to swing. He said, I drive you in all the time, don't I? And I looked up at him and I said, yes, sir. And, <laughs> and I never stole home again. I never did that. But I felt like if I could get in the scoring position, get to second base, one of those guys would drive me in. And they did most of the time.
0: So he said he would swing and like basically would take your head off.
1: Was, yeah. <laughs> I guess, and I, you know what? I didn't know whether he was kidding or not. I wasn't going to take a chance, so I never did. You that sa- again. actually said yes. Sir. I said yes, sir. I didn't say yes, Tony or whatever. I said yes, sir. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You're right about uh, Perez. I mean, obviously yeah. you know, but he's always <laughs> getting quietly getting under guys' That's skins, even does. to to till today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I notice that Concepcion doesn't make it back as much because obviously the yeah, travel that situation. But you guys seem to ride him
1: a little extra more. Am I reading that right? Yeah, well, <laughs> he was kind of our little brother. Yeah. You know what I mean? We were all... When when I got here, Davey wasn't starting every day, mm-hmm. okay? Um, and so uh, Woodward was starting. Woody Woodward was starting, I think, at Shortstop when I got here. And so Davey was still young. I think he was 19, 18 years old, whatever. And then Sparky decided Davey was the guy, okay? He was going to be our... Parts. And that's why I always tell people Sparky will never get the credit he deserves for putting this team together and make it work, making it work the way it did. Okay? It was his idea to bring Pete Rose in from left field and put him at third base. Give George Foster a shot. You yeah. know what I mean? All this was Sparky. So, he made the great 8 what it is. So, when Davey started playing, Davey was still young and look, he would make young mistakes and man, guys would yell at him. I mean, in our day, if you didn't run out of ground ball, if you hit a ball and you didn't run those first three steps out of the – you could hear in course, run! You know, everybody on the bench would yell, run. And they yelled at me too now because there would be times i yeah. forget. And you, But you run. And so Davy was kind of that kind of guy. We were teaching him how to be a big league player, to be honest with you. Uh, and Davey, they put him in the big – uh, commercial uh dryer in the back in the in the clubhouse really, right? and, and yeah and turned it on. <laughs> I mean Davey was kind of he was I won't say the whipping boy cuz we never did anything callous, but he was always the guy that everybody was looking at. And if he did anything wrong, there was someone there to tell him that's not the way we do it here. And so that's kind of what you yeah. saw with Davy. He was that was who he was.
0: I did that story on the air the other day. In fact, conception. Mm-hmm. It was the anniversary of it, in which he was struggling yeah. at the plate. <laughs> yeah, and then for whatever reason,
1: he well, hit he over three hundred
0: the rest of the season yeah. after he got in. But dryer. see, he
1: actually got in the dryer himself. But they turned it on. He didn't know they were going to do that. Now he was just—I don't know what he was doing. He was trying to yeah. change his luck, like you said. And they turned that machine well, it on. It definitely worked. Well, Davey Davy was—I tell you what—I I don't often say this because I'm vice chairman of the board of the Hall of Fame, and I'm supposed to be, you know, treat everybody the same. But David Concepcion should be in the Hall of Fame, absolutely. and I've—I played with him. I played when all those other guys were, you know, around. And then all of a sudden, then Ozzy Smith came. Then Alex Rodriguez. All these guys started hitting a lot of home runs and Mm -hmm. doing things. But Davey was the consummate shortstop doing his error. And that's the way you're supposed to look at it. Who was the best player at his position doing his error? And Davey was.
0: No question about it. The shortstop position has evolved over time. But at that time, he was the preeminent shortstop.
1: He was the one everyone measured themselves to. And he always got – Undercut because of me bench Rosen Perez. All Absolutely. right, he he was he didn't get all the credit that he deserved. Right. And I will tell you one other thing: Davey was one of the best clutch hitters in the game. Yeah, and we all knew that. And like I said, I, I can't I could sit here all day and tell you about David Concepcion because that's how much I uh, I admire what he did.
0: Well, I love when you guys get on him. Even Pete gave me an answer one time. He said that uh, Pete Jr. called him up one day and said, yeah. Dad, I'm in, I'm in an over for 22 skid right now. Yeah. What what can I do to get out of it? He's like, I don't know what to tell you. I've never been 0 for 22 in my life. Ask Concepcion.
1: You know what he did one night? One day, man, it was awful too. Uh, we were talking, and on Sundays back in the old days, they put every player in the big leagues average in the in the uh, newspaper on Sunday. You know, and Pete's thing was always telling Davey, you got to wait till Sunday to see your average. He said, I know mine every day. All I got to look in the top ten. But he was right. Davey, man, and Davey didn't know what to say. Yeah. You know, because he said, it's not Sunday, Davey. I don't know what you're hitting.
0: <laughs> when I uh, bring up guys from that team, yeah, want to get maybe like first thing comes to your mind a story whatever maybe something you you, on the banquet circuit because we're again we're talking about in my eyes the greatest team that's ever played um you think you give me the 27 yankees that was before integration to me it was also
1: before they could play defense but go right exactly
0: yeah it was it was you know it was a different game i mean you guys would beat those guys in my eyes but
1: Johnny Bench. When I say Johnny Bench to you, the best ever. I mean, I watched Johnny, and everybody knows the home runs he hit and whatever. Man, every day behind the plate, he did something that made me go, "Wow!" You know, he was the first guy to start using one hand mm-hmm. on the you know catcher's glove, like it was a first baseman, and he would short hop balls from the outfield, catch them, tag the guy, block the plate at the same time. He did so many things with defensively and I'm that's all I'm talking about right now. He could throw really th- second base he was unbelievable. And you know, he had a surgery on his shoulder and he they he says that he was better before that. I don't know if he was better I just know when he was when I first got here, it was unbelievable how quickly that ball got down to yeah. second base with me. And so I'll tell you a quick story. We're in the 72 World Series. Burt Caponaris was, was the stud for uh, Oakland, base dealer. Gary Nolan was pitching. Gary Nolan, big old slow delivery to the plate, and he threw a slow curve. So Caponaris takes off. So I'm going to second base, and I'm putting my hands up. Don't throw, Right. Ball's already on its way, and I have a photo at my house. I catch the ball on the corner of the bag, and his foot is about three inches from going into my glove. And I mean, if the ball is thrown anyplace else, he's safe. And I, to me, that's the greatest throw I've ever seen. But it also exemplifies, it it typifies to me what Johnny Bench was. He could do things no other catcher has ever been able to do.
0: No question. When uh, he was doing things like he haul. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sing it. Did you guys ride him? A no, little bit? no, we didn't.
1: I was happy for him because Johnny was a Johnny was a showman. Yeah. I mean, he always was, even as a still player. Is, yeah. yeah. But as a player, he could do things. He was there for the big moment. You know, I still say to people all the time, one of my greatest memories is in 1972, we're playing uh, Pittsburgh and he hit that home run off Dave Justy to tie the game in the ninth inning. I will never ever forget that. I thought we were going to lose again. You know, the, we're going to, not going to make it to the World Series, and we're down one run. And he takes Dave Justy into the right field bleachers. Al Michaels had the call, and I—that's still one of the highlights of my career. Watching that ball because I'm, I'm sitting there saying, "Man, I came over here to get to the World Series, now I'm not going to make it," and that's still one of the highlights. But he had a flair for the dramatic. He yeah. could hit big time home runs, man. I mean, That home run yeah. was huge. I and mean, I one know, of the biggest it, it in Reds history. It changed the whole, you yeah. know, way people and looked Dave at Justy us. Dave Justy was one of the better. Oh, receivers. he was the yeah. best at yeah. the time, and he threw him a palm ball. And Johnny, if he'd have tried to pull it, then just like everything else, yeah. he'd have been out. But I just, you know, so that's what I think about, you know, but if, you know, when you ask me a question about these guys, I can talk to you for each one for an hour because each one of them has a place in my mind and in my heart, truthfully, about what they did when we played together. Yeah. Pete Rose. Well, there's nobody like Pete. I used to say that every player should have the opportunity to play one year with Pete Rose, and they would be a better player. And I'm an example of that. I came here from Houston. And I was already a good player. And I tell people all the time, everybody thinks I learned to play here in Cincinnati. No, right. I learned to play baseball in Houston. Right. When I got to Cincinnati, all the things that I knew about playing fit well with the guys who were here. And to the show you what happened, Sparky Anderson put my locker next to Pete Rose. I mean, you think about that. Here I am coming from Houston. Very few people know me. You know, They knew me from playing against me, but. Pete and I were friends already.
0: So Sparky chose where you guys.
1: Sparky chose where wow. I sat. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I don't know if he did it with everyone. That doesn't happen But now. he that's- did it. No, yeah. I know it's a joke now. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah. But Sparky put me next to Pete Rose. Wow. And I tell people all the time, I, Pete Rose helped me to get this Hall of Fame ring. I helped Pete Rose to become a better player. Mm-hmm. We would sit there and we'd talk about things he could do better, things that I could do better. And each day we did that with each other. I mean, we, that's the way we did it. We, did, we would sit there before the game and say Tom Seavers pitching. Now they have film. You can go look at how they pitched you last time and all that stuff. Right. We had it right here in our heads. And Pete would say, well, last time he got me out with a slider with a winning run at second base. Or I got a hit off a slide. Whatever it was, we remembered what happened. And that was the same with me. I said, well, he got me out with a fastball in. He better never try it again. But that was the way that we talked before the game. Before every game, we would, whoever was pitching, we would talk about those things. So um, Pete helped make me a better player. I like to think I helped make him a better player. Pete had never walked till I got here and he had a hundred walks the next year, blah, blah, blah. And he became in my mind, a better player than he was before Mm. I got here. And I definitely became a better players locker next to him. So I have this fondness. We were just best friends too. And I mean, after every, yeah, we still are. Oh no, no, we're still best friends. I I texted him the other day, it was his birthday. But what, and well, I got to tell you this because we mentioned me being ill when I was ill, Pete Rose called me every day. Sorry.
0: No, man, you don't have to apologize.
1: I get a little emotional because every day that I was sick, he called me. That's how I was doing. If people don't understand what that meant, you know, to me every day when I was going through what I was going through, he would call me, how you doing, man? And we'd talk and next day he'd call. And Pete being Pete, I got well. And I hadn't heard from him for a couple of days. So I said, man, what's, I called him. I said, what's going on, man? I haven't heard from you. He said, man, you don't need me now. You know, that's the way Pete is. And so, you know, I get, like I said, I get emotional because that was part of my healing process. Him calling me just to say hi and ask how I was doing. And he didn't have to do that. You know, people think what they want, but he didn't have to do that. That's why all of my all the things that have happened with Pete and whatever you never heard me badmouth him, and I never will. I don't care what anybody else says. I will never think any differently of Pete Rose than I do. You know, and so and he and I, like I say, we still talk. We check on each other, make sure we're okay. So, um, you know, other than my wife, Pete Rose had the most to do with me getting well. Wow. That's special, and you never have to oh, apologize, no. man. Yeah. I, I can tell. Yeah. Uh, I can tell yeah. how strong
0: that relationship was, is, is and, and will always be. Always will be. Always will be. Yeah. Um, it had, at times, it had to be tough what, going. The things that he's gone through. Yes. And a lot, you know. Let's be honest. A lot was self-inflicted. Yeah. Most of it. was self it. Most of it. Was most of it I should it. say. I'm not most gonna, of
1: it. I'm not gonna. I don't yeah. look. I don't defend. Let me tell you something, Jim. If you sit here and tell me that you don't think Pete belongs in the Hall of Fame, I'm not going to argue with you. If you sit here and tell me he does, I'm going to help you. But by the same token, I think everyone's entitled to their opinion. I don't want to try to sway people. And like I say, I'm vice chairman of the board. I will say this. When I first got on the board of directors, I wanted to help Pete. I really Mm -hmm. did. Uh, It didn't work out, but that's the whole point. But I know deep down in my heart, That Pete belongs in the Hall of Fame. Okay, I'm just going to say that, and I shouldn't say it because, as I said, I'm vice chairman. But I sit here and I say to myself, if guys who did PEDs get in the Hall of Fame, you can't, you shouldn't be keeping Pete Rose out. Okay, that's me. All his Troubles were as a 25 years. Well, he's but wait a minute, he's been punished for 25 more years or something. Guys that do PEDs. You know, how, how much do they get punished, 50 games or something?
0: Right. <laughs> no, I agree with you. No, but all, I guess my point is, is that yeah. the trouble came when he was a manager.
1: Well, that's true. Look, Between man,
0: the I, lines as a player, I mean, beyond – There's nobody better.
1: No one – I like I said, I started to say it and I cut myself. I used to tell everybody, everyone should have the opportunity to play with Pete for one year. Because yeah. his example, what he does, he runs ground balls out. He hustles to first base. He – runs the base he does all the things that you're supposed to do to help your team win and i used to tell guys that i said man if you were lucky you should have been lucky enough to play one year with pete i got to play seven years eight years with him so you see how lucky i was oh yeah well
0: i mean when i i was a kid at the time and playing little league and into school and stuff and and he would be the example Yeah. like hey Pete Rose would have ran that ball out. I don't (laughs) care if it was a dribbler to third base and the guy, you know. Yep. He would have ran that out. Or Pete would have done this. Or you would have done this. He was the example. So, I mean, you guys were heroes to me. So, I mean, it it hurt me all the trouble that he got into. Me too. But I can't imagine as a best friend how how tough it it was at times.
1: It hurt me. And you you touched on something. I I guess I – since I'm being open with you and honest – a lot is self-inflicted. We know that. Okay. I, Pete, if Pete wasn't such a fighter and he could have said to Peter Eubroff, he was still the commissioner at the time, and I right. wanted him to. I said, Pete, just say, look, I may have a gambling problem. You know, I have to say you do. Say I may have a gambling problem. Help me. Baseball would have helped Pete. You wouldn't have known anything about this, Jim. It right. could have been taken care of, or whatever. But Peace, the fighter that he is, he said, Joe, I'm going to fight this or whatever. Okay. Um, I, I just, you know, I, I just wish we could go back 25 years. And he could do the right thing. Yeah, I, I think it, we'd all be happier, man. It'd be you know next month in July going to up to the Hall of Fame. I'd be just ecstatic to go up there with he, Tony, Johnny. You know, I mean, it right. it's, it'd be it'd be a great thrill for me. Well,
0: even if we did find out, I mean, we're a forgiving society. Right. If it would just it would just been upfront about it, it would have uh, been long past. And it's yes, it's just it's one of the most unfortunate things, and it. Uh,
1: but Pete's always I, been a fighter. I, I know he is. And he and never and, wants and, to give I up. I know.
0: I know. Yeah. He's like that. Um, I got to ask you, we'll we'll lighten this up maybe just for a second. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, You, Pete, and Marty.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is lightening it up. (laughs) Because
0: Marty, you know, now he's he's separated from the players nowadays. Right. Big time. But back then, he was closer to your age. And as he would say, you guys
1: are running the streets a little bit. (laughs) <laughs> Let me tell you something. Every game, after every game on the road, we would go to dinner. You got to remember back when we played, the clubhouse spread was salami, cheese, whatever else, that yeah. kind of stuff. Now they have three chefs that yeah, cook, prepare exactly. meals three times a day. Yeah. So we didn't want to eat that after the game. We said, "Hey, man, we're big leaguers. You know, let's go." You know. So the three of us started going out together. Just the dinner is where it started. We'd just go to dinner, three, three of us. And then we would sometimes go to, you know, I won't say a bar, but to a, what do you call it? Club? Club, yeah, let's say a club. We'd go to a club together. But every, after every game, we were together on, on the road. I don't care where it was, we would go together if we just went to eat dinner and went back to our rooms. We spent all that time together, and, and it was one of those things with us, we just enjoyed being together. And we were always honest with each other. We could be that way. I mean, look, we take criticism with each other. To me, Jim, even when I was broadcasting, I started working for ESPN, and I said to him, guys, I take constructive criticism very well because I want to be the best that I can be at whatever I do. And so we would do the same thing. Marty and I and Pete, we would sit there, and we'd say, man, you should have done this today night, or you should have done that. You know, we'd talk about it. You know, it wasn't anything malicious but we would joke with each other and so we just end up having that great fondness for each other relationship and so forth and so on and uh marty keeps saying he's gonna write a book i said you better not put my name in it but (laughs) that's the thing he could (laughs) he keeps threatening leave out the good stuff oh he would he keeps threatening it but no (laughs) you're right marty brenneman pete rose and myself were inseparable back in those days yeah, I.
0: We pull out these pictures. Speaking yeah. of dre- dressing, uh, yeah. he's you know he's got the leisure suit on and he's, yeah, yeah. He's got the <laughs> big helmet hair. He's looking good. Looking good. By the way, yeah. if, if people are hearing uh, the table. Oh, me. I'm well, sorry. No, no. You don't have to apologize. I should have yeah. told you. It's hard for me. I have to, like, hold my hands because yeah. I talk okay. with my hands a lot. Yeah, I talk with them a ton of yeah. – so I have to hold them down. But um,
1: And for yeah. you that heard it, it was me making emphasis on the Pete Rose and some of the Absolutely. other stuff. I was it emphasizing was, uh, something. I Go think ahead. they can get that because yeah.
0: um, you you speak with passion. Yeah, um, I'm sure you know Marty cherishes the friendship that yes. he has with you. I mean, yeah. to
1: this day. Um, when and, my, and me with him. I mean, it's the same, Yes when
0: uh you know you're talking baseball he'll he'll bring up well, you know joe Joe said this, yeah, Joe said that, <laughs> and that carries more water than yeah someone like me or whatever, but um so what well, he called
1: he said, and I was happy, he said when he announced his retirement, he told the newspaper after they called him, he said, "I heard from my two best friends today that makes it okay. I called him as soon as I heard it. That he was retiring and congratulating Pete called in the same day, you know, probably within his next few minutes. And so, just to point out what you're saying, that relationship is still the same today as it was then. And mine with Pete is the same.
0: I think it's awesome.
1: Yeah. Um, Tony Perez. The most consistent hitter, RBI man that I've ever seen. You know, bench was great. Sometimes bench would get five at a time, you know, in one game, ten, whatever. Tony Perez would get one every day that you needed one. I mean, that's the way he was. And I'm glad you said that, too, because it it brings – it irks me. The guys in this day and age will say, well, Tony Perez, OPS, this is only that. That wasn't his job. Tony's job was to produce runs, drive guys in, two outs. Tony Perez would get it done. Mm -hmm. Everyone remembers the home run he hit off Bill Lee in the seventh game of the World Series in 75. If he doesn't hit that home run, we may lose, right? So Tony was always the most consistent RBI man that I have ever seen. George Foster came aboard and you know, he became man of stud too. But Tony Perez, if, if you had two outs in the ninth inning, Tony Perez was the guy you wanted up there. I remember the first game we played against the Yankees in 76 when we swept them. I let off the game, well not let off the game, I hit a home run in the first inning. And some kind of way they caught up. So we go to the eighth inning. It was the bottom of the, maybe it was the bottom of the ninth inning, and we're tied. And there was a runner second, and they walked me intentionally to get to Tony. And I get to first base, and I tell the first base, and I said, This game's over.
2: <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Really? Guess
1: what? Two pitches later or something, this game is over. Cause that's the way Tony was. He was, yeah. Tony wanted them to walk me. You know what I mean? He, that was his whole point. I mean, that's the way he was. And I think, A lot of things have happened now. They're trying to devalue the RBI. That's why I said it irks me when they try to say this guy compares to Tony Perez and all that. No, they don't compare to Tony Perez. They may compare to him statistically with numbers or whatever, but there's more to the game than that. I tell people all the time, I may not know this or that, but I know what it takes to win. And Tony Perez was a winner. And so that's my answer to Tony no one in that played with him will ever tell you any different that he wasn't the best RBI man they ever saw.
0: Well, there are guys on base. We see it. There's guys that tighten oh, up, I mean, big time. Yeah. I mean, how can
1: you discount but the RBI? I, mean, I don't know how you're going to score runs if somebody doesn't drive it, them in, exactly. but that's, I mean, the, it new is, thing. But that's the new thing. You are relying on someone
0: else to get on base, so right. some guys don't have as many situations, but – But you still have to get them in. You still have to get them in. Like, yeah. Don't throw him the EFAS pitch. Right, exactly. Game seven. Bill Lee's probably looking back in his mind and said, why did I do that? Yeah, speaking of biggest home runs in Reds history,
1: I mean, that was it. That was was massive. Yeah.
0: Um, Senior, Ken Griffey, senior.
1: I I used senior as an example of just a fundamentally sound, great baseball player. I can honestly say I don't ever remember Ken Griffey Jr. missing a cutoff man or overthrowing a cutoff man. Senior or junior? Senior, I'm sorry. Yeah. Overthrowing a cutoff man. He had a accurate arm. It wasn't as strong as his son's, but it was accurate mm-hmm. and he could make all the plays. He could run like the wind. Oh, yeah. I mean, he could do everything on he could do everything on the field. I mean, he was a great, great player. And every once in a while when you needed a long ball, he could drop that in on you too. Yeah. But I think his fundamentals were the best. They were just unbelievable because, like I say, when you see a guy today, you see him overthrow the cutoff man, you see him do all that stuff. I never can, I can't I can remember ever watching Ken Griffey Sr. miss a cutoff man. I used to love his –
0: he used to have a little strut. When oh, he would, yeah. Especially when you guys would be introduced out on the yeah. – he would do this little strut I'll tell you man. one
1: other thing about Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> he was the best fastball hitter that I have ever – seen. Really? I was a good fastball hitter. Bench was all of us a good fa- but Griffey, when I say the best, he could hit the low fastball, the high fastball, the middle fastball. Mm-hmm. I couldn't hit the high fastball. I was better low ball hitter. Griffey, I don't care where the fastball was, in, out, up or down, he could hit it. And he was I don't care how hard it was or whatever. He was the best fastball hitter that I've ever seen. Wow.
0: Geronimo well, Speaking Chief, of good arms.
1: Yeah, the Chief, he was the most underrated guy on the team. And he could cover that outfield, what you guys used to say, like the morning dew. I mean, he was all <laughs> over that place. And had a great arm, great throwing arm, accurate, same thing. They were all accurate in those days. And I think part of that is because we took infield every day and mm-hmm. they threw every day, so they were ready. But but, Chief was like the unspeakable. Sung hero. I mean, everybody forgets that he hit the home runs in Boston that kept us in the chase in those games, you know. Mm-hmm. And so he uh, he just – one year, I think all seven guys, seven of us made the all-star team. I'm not sure if all eight of us did or not. But he was the one that was kind of left out once because we had one time we were all hitting hitting 300, mm-hmm. okay, and including uh, Geronimo. But he was still – the low man on the totem pole, so to speak, uh, but he was just—he was an integral part of that team. The defense. We had. Remember now, you always said you need to be strong up the middle. We had bench getting winning gold gloves behind the plate. Me and Davy at short and second, and Geronimo in center field. You don't get any better than that.
0: Perfect compliment. And
1: exactly. And so, but again, he never. I mean, he'd yeah. make plays out there. If not, if we had the highlights of the week and all the stuff like they do now. He would be on there quite a bit.
0: You know what I thought was cool? And I don't know if this mm-hmm. was the baseball god shining down, but he caught the final out in yes, 75. No. So he gets that highlight. Like you guys get all these accolades. <laughs> right. But Chief he caught the it. last out. Yeah. It was I almost don't know like what he the, did with the ball. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was almost like the baseball god said, You know, all these guys get all Good this attention. Point. We are going to ha- let you catch the final.
1: Well, out. he did. I remember. When that ball went up, man, I couldn't believe it. Yastrzemski was the hitter, and the ball went up to center field. When I knew it went to center field, I know he going to catch it. I don't care yeah. where it was, he was going to catch it. But you're right, he did. I can see him catching it and jumping up in the air. But, uh, again, uh, you know, I still sit at home sometimes, and I think about that team. Because when I first started broadcasting, and when we are playing – I didn't say anything about the greatest or think about it. I was just playing because we were together, we're going to play, we're going to win championships, we're going to keep playing. After I started broadcasting, and it was about the second or third year or something, they would say to me, you know, this is the best team in baseball, this is blah, blah, blah. And I would look down on the field and i said, say, well, there's only maybe one of those guys that could play on our team. So I started to realize how great, the grade eight was after that i mean it took me a while because i was just taking it for granted we played together we're a great team but the more i saw of other teams that were supposed to be great including the yankees when they were winning all those pennants world series very only a couple of those guys could have played on our team
0: was there a lot of pressure that in that time see the reds lose the world series in 70 yeah uh 72, lose the World Series, a heartbreaker. 73, yeah. get upset by the Mets. Mets. 74, didn't make it, even though you had a tremendous regular season. Mm-hmm. And everyone was wondering, can the Big Red Machine get over the hump? Was there pressure that you guys
1: legitimately felt in 75? I don't think it was any pressure that way, at least for me. I'm only going to speak for myself. I didn't feel any pressure. You know why I didn't feel pressure? Because I knew I had the best players. It's like when we lost game six against Boston. You know, the next day, so how are you going to come back from this? How are you guys going to win, you know, after Carlton Fist's home run? I said, hey, guys, I'll take these eight guys. I'll go out and play anybody one game for a championship. I said, I'm going to have the best team on my side tomorrow again. We lost today, but we're going to have the best team. And that's the way I looked at it. So I didn't feel any pressure on game seven going into Boston, you know, in the Boston series. So, no, I didn't feel any pressure myself because every year I knew I had the best team, man. I just said – Things haven't worked out, but that's baseball. People have to remember, baseball is different than, say, basketball or even football. Mm -hmm. The best team is going to win. Baseball is not like that. I don't care. You can be a last place team and you can go against the best pitcher on the Reds or on another team. That doesn't mean you're going to win that day. Baseball is not built that way. That's one of the reasons that baseball is such a great game is because you do not know what's going to happen. I mean, as good as we were at Big Red Machine, there were times when we would lose a game to somebody, say, the Padres. Or, and they weren't as good as we were. But that's because that's the way baseball is. And I always felt like things that happened that were beyond our control when we did not win those championships before. So every year I said, I got the best team starting out. Unless somebody gets hurt or something happens, I'm going to get another chance.
0: You know what ticks me off? I got to get something off my chest. Okay. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Yeah. It makes me mad when people look back at 75 and they show Carlton Fisk, and that's know. the only highlight that they show. <laughs> Isn't that something? It's as if the the Red Sox yeah. won, or the three Reds games won, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> they did. Well, the that's Reds, we say. Reds won three games to four. Yeah, I mean and, the
1: Reds. You're right. Uh, it, it's
0: like they say, okay, maybe the greatest World Series ever played, and then you right. see Fisk, you know, trying to yeah. guide the ball. I'm like, hold up a second.
1: Red Sox didn't win that series. The fact that I work for national television, so I understand that yeah. was the first time. No, that's the first time they had a shot from that location right. in that in the uh, scoreboard. Yeah, i actually and stood that in that stuff. very spot. Yeah, yeah they so they had that was kind of something new that hadn't the been reaction, done before. Right? The reaction and all that. Yeah. So that at least I use that as an excuse. I give them that excuse that way. But uh, I agree with you. Everybody thinks that. I mean, everybody, if you were from another country and came here, you would definitely think that uh, that won the World Series and that Boston, you know, won the World Series. I'll give you another little tidbit. You know, I went and I played my last year in Oakland. That was my first year in the American League. And we went to Boston, and, heck, I don't know anything going on. So I came out on the field, you know, for batting practice, and all the fans stood and clapped and gave me a standing ovation. Cause I think they appreciated that World Series and yeah. how great it was. I I had never been, hadn't been back there since, and all of a sudden I walk out there, man, and here they are giving me a standing ovation. I'm like, oh, okay, they That's remember. Great. Yeah, it was. It was special. That is tremendous. Yeah. Yeah. That, no, I had to get that off my chest. Yeah. Again. No. We we'll talk about it all and the time. Joe Morgan drove yeah. in. The, the game, game winning, winning run, run but twice 7 and the, game 4 and i think it was game four. 4 i know i did it twice one here was a walk off and then that that one in game 7 was there let's see we won the first we we they won the first game won the second game we won the third game maybe it was the third game it was either the third game or the f- fifth game i don't know i drove in the the walk off i hit a ball in the left center field for a base hit off of uh, the left-hander they had then. So, uh, yeah, I drove in the winning run twice. It's really interesting there. I drove in the winning run in two, but Tony Perez drove in the winning run in two of those yeah. games, too. So, yeah. uh, he started off 0 for 15 or something, you know what I mean? And y- you can imagine how we were on him in the clubhouse. I mean, <laughs> really, we are really. But uh, he, Tony, as being Tony, he came around and he, was, he led us to the championship.
0: Which was the better team if you had to choose 75-76 if you're lining up against anyone else? Or can't, can't you split them?
1: No, I I, I can split them. 76 yeah. was the best team. Really? Well, looks everybody was a year older. Griffey, uh, Dreeson, Geronimo, all those guys were a year older. Foster. They were more mature, let's put it that mm-hmm. way, in 76. 76. I mean, we, we, we swept through the world playoffs. I mean, I'm we didn't lose a game. with you. No, I, I know I played on both teams. Yeah. Both of them were great. But that 76 team, I used to tell people, I said, we beat the Phillies in three. We beat the Yankees in four. And if there was anybody else, we just swept them too. So that's the way I felt because that team was that good. And another tidbit, we were getting ready to start that playoffs, and we were in Philadelphia. And they came to me before, the, you know, on the off day before the series started. And they came to me and said, what do you think, Joe? I said, I'll tell you what, you're going to see something special this week. I didn't know what I was talking about. I said, you're going to see something special because all of our guys are healthy. everybody, No one's in a slump. We're, we're, we're running on all cylinders. I said, this is going to – we're going to show you guys something. And I, di- I didn't realize we were going to sweep them and then sweep the Yankees. But I just knew when that team was at its peak – nobody could beat us well
0: in my room the poster that i had framed was the 76 that's the best it was team. the team picture a yeah. uh, very famous picture yeah. and i would just sit there in my room and i'd think all right what was joe <laughs> what was joe morgan thinking when they snapped this picture or yeah. what kind of ribbon was going on yeah. when they snapped this picture uh I, you know as a kid uh, back then when you would just stare at posters like that. I'm oh, sure you yeah! you Heck had yeah. the same I didn't thing have with posters. Willie Mays. We didn't have posters, posters, man. <laughs> yeah, but, but I did
1: have the same yeah. thing. I had a picture of Willie Mays. Willie Mays, is your same guy, thing. right? Yeah, no, yeah, Willie Mays was always my guy. Yeah, no, I well, I grew up idolizing Nelly Fox and Jackie Robinson. Jackie because of he made it possible mm-hmm. for me to play. And Nelly Fox because he was the kind of second baseman I wanted to grow up and be like. I didn't know I was going to be – Have all the other things I had going for me, you know. And Nellie Fox, I said, I want to be like that. He plays hard, he does this, he helps his team win, et cetera, et cetera. So I said, that's what I want to be like. So I grew up idolizing those two guys. And then I went to Houston my first year, and Nellie Fox was a player coach. I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. I really did. And he and I became like the best of friends. He taught me how to be a big leaguer on and off the field. And so Nellie Fox. You know, I I can't say anything ever without mentioning his name when I talk about what I became and whatever. And I'll give you another tidbit. You know, we played together that, that year, my rookie year, and about halfway during the year, he said something to me one day, and like I said, still it's like it was yesterday. He said, Joe, he said, you have twice the ability that I have. He said, the only thing will keep you from making it to the Hall of Fame is you won't work hard. I mean, those were his exact wow. words to me. You know what my answer was? I'll see you at the Hall of Fame, because I knew I would be willing to work hard, and he made me work hard. I went out every day that we were home in the Astrodome. Nellie Fox, Bob Lillis, Joe Gaines, Walt Bond, uh, uh, Eddie Casco. They would take me out there. I was I could hit, I could run, I could I couldn't play second base. They took me out there every day at 3:30 and they would hit ground ball after ground ball. They'd have guys sliding into me making a double play. I did this every day, and look, I was tired because I'd do that with them for an hour and a half, then I'd have to do the rest of my work with the rest of the team, you know, because they didn't Mm -hmm. let you take off in those days. So by sometimes I was tired, you know, in the middle of the game and whatever, but it helped to make me a major league player as a defensive player. Those guys taught me how to play. So that's why I say to you, I knew how to play when I got here because of Nellie Fox and those guys. And it was tough love. I'd be sitting on the bench. After I pop up or something, I'd go back and sit on the bench. Nellie Fox would come and stand in front of me. And he says, Where's the second baseman now? Where's the right fielder playing? And if I didn't know, he didn't say it like this, but he said, What are you watching? You know, watch the game. That's what he told me. And and then Bob Lillis would come by. He said, what's the count on the hitter? Joe Gaines come by. say, said, where's the left fielder? I had to learn to watch the game. Even though I made an out, I couldn't go back and sulk. I had to watch the game, and it helped me as a broadcaster because I could sit up in the booth, and I could see every player. Yeah. I could tell what they were doing. So those guys taught me how to play. And like I said, when I got here to Cincinnati, I already knew how to play. But – I was playing with such great players. When I was in Houston, I stole as many bases as in Houston, if, and I led the team in home runs. That's why they traded me for Lee May, because I'm a second baseman, you know, tied for the home run lead. And when I got, when I was in Houston, I'd walk, steal a base, nobody drive me in, right? We lose. When I got to Cincinnati, I walked, steal a base, bench Perez, or fought, somebody would drive me in. We win one to nothing. Now I'm a hero. I did the same things there, but I wasn't – on as good a team these guys as Tony said they brought me here and made me a star so all those things that they I did worked well with the players who were here at the time. Was there any jealousy amongst you guys? I don't think jealousy. I understand your point. Johnny well here. you know I I think that's overblown. Is it I'm not th- going to say they were best friends now. Right. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you but uh, that's overblown because none of that ever affected what we were doing on the field. Yeah, you could tell. None that. of it. None yeah. of it. So my answer to that is when you say jealousy, I don't think so. I think if there was any jealousy, it was like I said, every day each one of us wanted to be the best player on the field. Mm-hmm. So I don't call that jealousy. I just call that wanting to be the best you can be and push everybody else forward. I didn't want Johnny to go up and strike out so I'd have the best, you know, right. that day. Right. So I just wanted him to do what he was doing and I'd do it better or do my thing mm-hmm. better. So I think there, there, that's where the jealousy would come in as far as I'm concerned, if, if you hope somebody doesn't get a hit or this or something, you know. No, we wanted them to, everybody to do well. You just wanted to push, do the best that you could do with your ability. Do you
0: think that the pitching staff doesn't get enough
1: credit on Oh, there's no doubt. You know, look, well. I almost feel bad for him sometimes. I do all the time, you know, because, you know, Jack Billingham won 19 games two years in a row. Um, Freddie Norman. Well, his World
0: Series ERA thank is you. off the charts. I, off
1: the, I mean, yeah. these guys never got the credit because, hell, it was a big red machine, those yeah. guys hitting home runs, guys stealing bases, guys doing stuff. But we didn't win every game 10 to 9. Right. You know, we won a lot of low-run games. Um, so I, I never thought they got the credit they deserved because, and you know, when Don Gullett was healthy, he was as good as any pitcher in baseball at the time. Uh, Pedro Barbom and, and, and those guys in the bullpen, I mean, they were rubber arm Pedro, um, every yeah, day they were clay Carroll, you know, yeah. Eastwick, all those McEnany guys were fact over. yeah. machinated I mean, those guys were top of the line pitchers and they did their job. You know, I used to say to people, what difference does it make if you have, you know, 10 guys winning 10 games or you have four guys winning 25? That's just the same thing. Right. Our guys did what they were supposed to do for the team to win. And all of those guys were exceptional, but it's just unfortunate that they came along at a time when hitting and we were, you know, such an awesome offense that they did not get the credit that they deserved. But like I say, we didn't win all those games two to one.
0: Do you guys have any regrets of not winning beyond
1: 76? Yes, I do. And when
0: they broke up, the big red machine traded away Tony. Yeah,
1: I I do. I, I personally, and I got, as you say, ripped a little bit for that. When they traded Tony, I said to them, did they ever think that maybe we couldn't win without him? This is right when they traded him. This wasn't during the season. And I have to tell you the truth. It took us a while to get over the fact that Tony wasn't there. Yeah. The game would start. And I, I – this going to sound selfish and maybe a little not humble enough, but I felt like if Tony stayed, I might have won three MVPs in the world row. Okay? So what happened when Tony left, he hid behind me. When Tony left, that first month, they didn't give me a lot to hit. Okay? And – I look at things and I said – I used to – when I was – when Tony was here and I'd be going up to bat, I'd pause a lot of times and look back so they'd see who was on deck. I mean, I really did. I did that a lot of times. And, you know, so I really believe that if Tony would have stayed here, we would have won at least one more. I I think we would have won in, you know, in 77. Yes, I do. A lot of the – we were talking before going on here that – we talk all
0: about 75 and 76, but you have tremendous regret about 72. And then the other World yeah. Series,
1: it, I mean, it actually ticks you off
0: that you didn't win those other World Series. Yes, well,
1: it? hey, man, we didn't start out to lose. I mean, yeah. and, I was, and I keep saying when I felt I walked out on the field, I had the best players on my mm-hmm. side, you know. And we, I think I will say we blew it. I won't say we blew it, but. You know, the baseball gods are the baseball gods. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Baseball yeah. is baseball. Uh we were far better in seventy two than the A's were. But Gene Tennis got off to a great start here, so they won the first two games here. Came out of and, nowhere. I yeah, don't know. He wasn't even their starting <laughs> catcher no, all year. Crazy. So that's baseball though. Yeah. See, something happens and you know, the World Series is full of the history of the World Series will show you there were guys who weren't the big guys that did stuff. Billy Martin did things in the World Series, even though they had Mickey Mantle, Roger, all those guys. So that's baseball, though. That's yeah. that's what makes, as I said, it makes it a great sport. You never know exactly what's going to happen, and you have to be on top of your P's and Q's all the time. It's like I don't care if you have the best team. You just have to perform the best in the, in those situations.
0: When I was a kid, we used to imitate – batting stances
1: yeah
0: uh, all the time i mean you know we'd be
1: all right pete's down yeah. like this and
0: tony's got it back yeah. he's knocking the bat like this and bench, bench is just you got it <laughs> Bench is just like almost straight up mm-hmm. you know yeah and then there's joe with the chicken yeah. flap
1: what? well all the kids what? all the kids around here were doing that oh because some of the coaches complained to me yeah. i said hey man yeah. you know uh I, I guess you're gonna ask me how that started yes um well i played in the astrodome And remember, the Astrodome was the biggest ballpark in the world. Straightaway right field was 390. Straightaway right field, not right center. And I had that 389-foot fly ball down to a tee. (laughs) (laughs) You got to remember, I was a small guy. And I'd hit it, and it'd go 389 feet, and they'd catch it. So Nelly Fox, as I say, he taught me everything that first year. He said, Joe, we got to get the ball out of the air. He said, you can't keep doing that. So I said, I don't want to keep doing it. So... We're in batting practice, and the the key, if you play golf, you keep your elbow in tight. That helps get the ball in the air, your back elbow. Right. And so I had that habit of dropping my shoulder and fly ball. So we were gonna do something to remind me not to do it. He didn't say anything. I just started hitting my arm to remind myself, and it seemed like it would just go to the right spot. So I did it that night in the game. Heck, I think I got two or three hits. Next night, I got a couple more hits, so you know, by the fourth or fifth game, I wasn't even aware I was doing it anymore. And over the years, guys would say, "Man, how many times are you doing it?" I said, "Man, I don't know. That's not. I'm just getting ready to hit." So that's the reason I did it. I started getting the ball out of the air, hitting more line drives and doing stuff. I have one thing. I, look, I look back and people say you haven't. And look, I I wouldn't do. I wouldn't change anything. Um, I had a chance to win two batting titles, and I didn't win either one. Uh, When I was with Houston, I was leading the league in batting uh, after about two and a half months or whatever it was, and I got hit with a line drive on my knee in batting practice. I was catching ground balls, and I got hit. And I was out for six weeks. And when I came back, I took one day of batting practice and and faced Sandy Koufax. Oh, man. So it was downhill from there. I'll just (laughs) tell you that. But— I that I the one regret when I was here and what would that be uh, 76 I had a chance to win a batting title and I was going up I was hitting 340 or something with a couple of weeks to go and I felt like everything was going well and we went to San Francisco and they had two left-handers Gary Lavelle and I can't think of the other one they were two good left-handers they brought up from the minor leagues and Sparky said, Joe, you probably should take a day off one of these games because, you know, whatever. But I couldn't because it was home. My parents, everybody was coming to see me play. So I went and played. And man, when those two guys got finished with me, <laughs> I was in a slump. And I mean, I still hit 327, but I had a chance to hitting 340, you know, and winning the batting title. But anyway, um, I, I say those things because I, I have to dig very deep to find any regret. I really, I mean, deep, deep because. You know, I had so many great things happen to me, uh, and I guess the greatest thing for me is when I got elected to the Hall of Fame, my mom and my dad were still alive, and they were able to go there with me. That's tremendous. Nothing will ever surpass that. And then when I got here, they retired my number. My mom and dad were here. Yeah. So, and everybody didn't have that. You know, their parents weren't all alive when they go to the Hall of Fame. Mine were, and... My mom was still alive when they put up my sculpture. My dad had passed. But, you know, the, the greatest thing for me and for any athlete is who you share things with, your family, not just, you know, doing it for yourself. And I always felt like my mom was the biggest Joe Morgan fan you could get and my dad were. They were the biggest fans I could ever have, and for me to be able to share those moments with them is what makes everything special. So, like I said, I, I have nothing, I, I have no regrets whatsoever. I really don't. Uh, I've been blessed to, you know, be able to play for the Big Red Machine. I was blessed to have my parents with me. I am blessed to have everything with my family, my kids, everybody, so... Uh, I don't know what you know what else is. I'm I'm ready. <laughs> hey, I don't. My bucket list is pretty full. Is it full? It's pretty full. Well, it really good. is. There's some things I'd like to do twice, but <laughs> um, you know, all the other things, golf, and all the things in my life that I would like to do, I've pretty much been able to do those things. How would you like to be remembered? I guess as a winner, mm-hmm. a guy that looked to do things for his team to win before he thought about his own statistics. You know, like I said, I could have stolen a lot more bases, you know. Yeah. Bench could have hit some more home runs. But we all sacrificed a little bit of our own individuality to make the team better. And so so if I got another 50 stolen bases, what's that going to mean? You know what I mean? It wasn't going to mean anything. So uh, if it wasn't in the terms of winning, it didn't matter to me. And the guys – you know, I guess – the thing that I feel the best about, all of my teammates, not just with the Reds. Every team I played for knew that I was about the team first and not about myself. Um, and so, and I get the highest compliments. I, you know, people say, well, this guy says that. Uh, the highest compliments I've ever received have come from Johnny Bench, Pete Rose, and Tony Perez and those guys. You know, Johnny says I'm the best player I ever played with. Pete says there's nobody like Joe Morgan. He did what he – you know, those are compliments you that mean something to you. Not – I don't like to say it this way, but not what the writers write or how the vote goes for you to go to the Hall of Fame. What meant the most to me is what my teammates felt about the way I played the game and my job and and how I felt about the team.
0: Well, there's no question. Joe yeah. Morgan, winner. <laughs> uh, Thank one you. One of the, the – the, uh, I yeah. mean, winning and a yeah. winner – uh, there has been very few that have come along that the game of baseball scene that's a winner like Joe Morgan and I, I really appreciate your time here. I appreciate you being candid Joe It yeah. is such a pleasure uh, to just be able to chew the fat with you. And I think the fans will appreciate you being candid as well. And I hope you join us again So, Well,
1: I will. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, the fans here in Cincinnati have been fabulous to me. I mean, somebody came by my uh, dealership yesterday and said, Joe, I want to thank you for all you did for the Reds. I said they did some things for me too. Yeah, no doubt about it. Joe, thank you very much. All right, thank you. You're the best. Okay, Jim, thank you very much.
0: How good is Joe Morgan? I mean, how good is Joe Morgan? literally one of those guys that you could just sit and pick his brain for hours. One of the greatest baseball players to ever play. And great broadcaster for many, many years, Sunday Night Baseball. We didn't even get into that. Hopefully we'll have Joe back and I mean, there's so many things that we could talk to him about that I didn't even touch on. So we will effort that in the future. And hope you enjoyed it. And once again, uh, please do us a favor. If you you like what you hear and you want to see this podcast grow, one of the very important things, unfortunately, but it is a fact, it's the ratings, particularly on iTunes. If you could go and if you like what you hear, leave a five-star rating. That means the world, and it will help the growth of this podcast. Certainly hit the subscribe button. We invite you to please pass the word that this exists. And again, go back in the archives. Um, these are evergreen conversations that will live, and they're not dated, um, at least right now. Um, so you can go back at any time and feel like it, you haven't missed a thing. So we invite you to do that and hope that you'll spread the word around. And I invite you to follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at Jim Day TV. that is at Jim Day TV. Until next time, thanks again for checking us out here on the Gym Day Podcast. So long, everyone.
2: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.